welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Hey, 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 everybody. Sophie Shepard here, host of the She Talks Health podcast. So excited for yet another amazing episode. This time we have Linda Vazin on the show. Linda has been in the wellness industry for the past 35 years. Everybody, what a wealth of knowledge. And Linda first was starting to work with clients on a physical level using fascia release and yoga. She actually had clients that included Navy SEALs, Olympic athletes, and she had private clients. And after a few years, Linda began to realize how physical and emotional pain were so closely related. She went on to study life coaching with Debbie Ford, different breath modalities like yogic and dynamic breath work, and meditation to support her clients in releasing old patterns in their body and mind and develop new habits to create inner peace. And Linda, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It's so great to have your energy here today. Thank you so much, Sophie. I love your energy. Thank you. I think Linda and I have different modalities of helping people with similar things, you know, and the story is similar too. And that's one of the reasons I was so psyched to have you on the podcast, because as you may know, if you've been listening to this podcast, um, you know, I am a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and I really got my start, um, doing all the physical stuff. And I still do that. I still run the labs and I still keep help people with nutrition and movement and sleep and, you know, all of those things. But as I was going along in my own personal journey, I realized how much my emotions were blocking me from full health full optimal health. And I, in April, I did a training, um, around neurolinguistics programming and quantum time technique and hypnosis. And that's when I really started to learn about how emotions can really get stuck in the body, how old patterns can keep us stuck. 
and how there are these different modalities in which we can access those stuck places and move forward in our life. And that's really where we see just the incredible transformation that's possible for people. And so I, I am not a breathwork expert. And so I just love to interview people who have all these different techniques and modalities that might be useful to you as a listener. So Linda, why don't we start with, you know, tell us a little bit more about your story. Cause it's one thing for me to read you read out a bio, but you have 35 years of wellness experience. Was there like one event or something or someone you were introduced to that made you realize that it was bigger than just the physical body? It was about 10 years after I started working with people on a physical level. And I started, it was about two or three months when I started seeing clients and they would come in, like I'd see them the week before and they'd come in and I, all of a sudden they had severe back issue. Like they couldn't even walk up, walk into my studio straight. And I go, what happened? You were fine last week. And they're like, I don't know. It's, it, it, I have no idea. And then we start working, you know, doing stretching and strengthening and everything else I do on the physical body. But then we would start talking and sure enough, something had happened in their life. They were either, you know, lost a lot of money or we're talking to their husbands about divorce because the spine has a lot to do with stability. Then I started seeing the correlation that it's like inst- almost instant and sometimes it's gradual, but mm. the body is always giving us messages. And then ever since then, and I'm talking about 25 years ago, I started following Louise's Hayes book, which she has that book, You Can oh. Heal Your Life. Oh my gosh, that book was so transformational for me in my Hashimoto's journey. I'm so glad you brought that up. I love that we have that in common. You know what? the end how there's a section that correlates emotion with physical pain yes yes Uh so I started following (laughs) that for literally 15 years for myself and my clients and it was like 95 percent right on every time somebody would get a lot of I went through a really hard time I wasn't doing that great with my husband at that point and I was pregnant and I literally had 30 cold sores in my mouth. And I never get cold sores. Mm. I mean, that's not a thing I do. And I looked in the book and it says, when you're indecisive, you don't know what to do. It was very crazy because two weeks later, I went down to the beach. I had a really bad fall and I lost my baby, but I was really worried about having another baby when I wasn't in a really good relationship. Mm. So it was Things just kept showing me how our emotional and physical body are so related. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times in this day and age, we check out of our physical body. Yeah, we do. I mean, I think we're tuned with it. I think there's this, um, there's this belief around almost like just push through. You know, like I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot from women, and and I think um, because women who I serve is is all female, but that's kind of damaging. Don't you think when we just completely disconnect from our physical form? Very, it's very damaging um, because you can push through if you need to, when you're going through a really hard time for a little while, but unless you really create 
space and time to grieve and process and be with your emotions to the point where they don't trigger you anymore. Like I have, I take people through this process of really being with those emotions through breath work, accepting them. Sometimes it's really hard to accept for there's forgiveness. There's this process that goes along with grieving that is essential so that you can actually move that energy through your body. Otherwise, you could push through, but that energy stays in your body. That trauma stays in your body until you pay attention and you give it the space and uh, kindness and processing that it needs. Oh, so well said. I mean, it's it's so important. And you know what's funny too? I find there's phases of the journey that people are willing to accept similar to how we learned the physical body ways first. And then we learn the emotional, um, or energetic, whatever you want to call it. But I think, you know, people are also like, maybe someone's listening to this right now and they're like, Oh, I only have like physical symptoms. And I have this, I have to share this experience with you. Um, and I, on, I wish it was almost a couple of months from now. So I could tell you the whole completion of this, but I have a client, she's older and, um, she came to me with Hashimoto's and uh, autoimmune disease, which of course I'm very familiar with since I have Hashimoto's. And I said to her on our discovery call, I said, look, I don't really work with people who have Hashimoto's unless it's six months. And we do the emotional work too, because I find that people who have autoimmune disease have had some serious unprocessed emotions that are part of their healing journey. And I'm not, I'm here to get you results. I'm not here to like, just, you know, to skip a step. And she was like, well, okay, but I really like my life and everything's really good and everything's positive. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. If some stuff comes up in the six months, let me know. I just want to let you know I'm available to help you with this emotional stuff. And she's like, okay, yeah, it's just physical. I just need to eat the right foods, right? Okay. So this is her perspective at that point, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to push it. I'm like, okay, whatever is available. So we start and we were working on the physical and we find she has mold illness and she has gut dysbiosis and she is, she does have physical stuff going. And about a month ago, she says, Sophie, I've been really thinking about the emotional stuff. And I actually have all this grief that I've never processed. Mm-hmm. So when you said the word grief, that's what made me think of the story. I'm like, Oh, I have all this grief that I've never processed. And I think it's kind of holding me back. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry to hear about all that grief. And I would love to be, um, help you to, um, be with that and to process through it. And so we're just starting that now. And I actually just tomorrow is our first day where we're going to start to work on the emotional health. And I'm so excited because I know how much of a weight is going to be lifted off. Even just sharing with me what happened. She said, I already feel lighter, right? Getting it out, writing it out. She wrote me this long email with everything. And it's just breath work is like an amazing way to do that. I feel like in even a faster way in some sense than like, you know, cognitively writing something down because breath work in my experience with breath work, and I'd love to hear, you know, all the things that you do is like, it can be very powerful in that you can kind of get to an altered state of consciousness, which Absolutely. allows you to process this, right? Absolutely. There's different kinds of breath work. Um, There's yogic breath work that is very calming and they have a lot of different methods. Like there's box breathing, there's alternate nose breathing, there's coherent breathing. 
important. And they're all fantastic. They all, those kinds of breath work really calm down the nervous system, which we all need to do. Big time. (laughs) We're all stressed, right? (laughs) (laughs) And before you can get any kind of healing done, whether it's physical, emotional, the nervous system has to calm down. Big time. That's it. The body knows what to do. You just have to create the space for it to do it. And the best way to do it is through the nervous system. Yes. And then there's dynamic breath work, which I do transformational breath, which is very activating. And when you do activating kind of breath work, there's holotropic and Wim Hof is somewhat activating. And then there's tons of other new ones that I see on social media all the time. But sure. uh, the dynamic kind of breath work brings up a lot of energy, that high vibration. So with yogic breath work, you're usually your exhalations are longer and you hold your breath. The inhalations are shorter. With the mm-hmm. dynamic kind of breath work, your Ex- it, exhalations are way shorter. So you mm-hmm. might inhale for two counts and you exhale really quickly for one count. Yeah. And it's connected. And that brings a lot of prana into the body and it starts those emotions moving through. And, you know, what you were talking about, we hold we hold our trauma in different parts of our body. So I might be doing dynamic breath work with someone that has had a lot of heartache. And as a facilitator, I could see like their breath might not be going into their heart. Mm. Right. You know, if we had a lot of heartache, we usually want to shut down our heart. It's too painful to feel all of that unless we create space and time to grieve. But once they start bringing that high energy prana into their heart, you could see the heart starts, you know, moving. And then all of a sudden, you people remember their heart breaks. They start mm-hmm. feeling again. They cry. And that is a wonderful thing because you're moving that stuck energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to do. You want you don't want that energy to just stay there because sometimes people are so scared of going to that place. But it's better to go there and just get it all out than live with this mild state of anxiety or depression or heartache a long time. Just, oh. just get it out. Just yes. Feeling better. So the dynamic breath work, I love that. I love doing those sessions. And um, sometimes people need to first get okay with going within with the yogic breathing and just Mm -hmm. say hello to themselves. Like, how am I feeling? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we don't do that. So uh, sometimes I combine both. It all depends on the person. Did I even answer your question? I know I went off. Oh, you know what? This podcast is super free free flowing. You did great. And you answered my next question, which was kind of describing the different types of breath work that you teach. And it correlates a lot, I think, with what I see. Um, I mean, I see a lot of really stressed out women coming to me. And of course, we know that, like you said, the body can't, can't be in a healing place. Not And we're not talking about some woo-woo energy either. Like there's also the science, there's both, right? It's like, yes, there is the energetics, but it's also, a, it's a, it's a truth, right? If our cortisol is um, Im- imbalanced in that way, or we're just pumping out all of our stress hormones from our adrenal glands, norepinephrine, epinephrine, all those they're, they're not healing us. They are keeping us stuck in that fight or flight and eventually into a freeze. 
and people are not given. I was just, today is mental health day. Yes, and is. it's like my five, I've been off my um, antidepressant for five months now. And it has been such a challenging process. But what I want to say is what Linda just said is so true. Like it's almost like choose your heart, right? Like <laughs> I got put on that 10 years ago after struggling probably for five years with my mental health. And so for 15 years, really, because the medication helped, but not completely real, right? Like I lived in like a place of anxiety and fear. But when I learned the tools to process my emotions, it was painful in that same way of when you do this dynamic breath and it's going to bring up your stuff and you have to be with those emotions. So if we can face them, it might be a more concentrated emotion at the beginning, but then you release and then you're not living every single day having a level of anxiety. Like I don't feel anxious anymore. I just don't. That is so awesome. One of my teachers, Debbie Ford, that I did life coaching with, she said it's like holding, you know, a ball underwater. Like mm-hmm. you have one grief, then the another trauma, then another thing, another thing. And you're just like trying to hold that ball underwater. And then at some point that ball is going to pop out, whether you like it or not. And I think what happens is when we don't address these things as they come along, you know, it shows up as mental, physical illness. It shows up as anger, fear, anxiety. It shows up one way or another because our body and mind can only take so much. That's right. Oh, that's so true. So I know that there's some tips you wanted to share to help people to kind of understand breath a little bit more. You, you mentioned the dynamic and the yogic, but you also mentioned that, um, you know, when you're dealing with someone who has like a heart specifically like a lot of heartbreak that they might not breathe into their heart. So can you explain how triggers from the past can show up in our breath patterns? Um, what does that look like? Is it, is it just that where maybe someone's not breathing in a certain spot or are there other ways to identify that? Uh, you know, it is fascinating how your, your breath pattern 98% of the time tells so much about your past experiences because I've had doctors in my workshops and get into small groups and you analyze people breathing and they are fascinated how how everybody's breath pattern is so different some people just breathe into their chest and not even into their belly some people just breathe into their belly into their solar plex and the solar plex goes in and out some people's hips go up and down and every one of those breath patterns has a meaning so just like i mentioned breathing into your not having any a breath go into your heart is usually and you can we check in with the, our clients breathing into the heart usually has to do with a lot of heartaches in life somebody that has a big breath into their solar plex and uses their back a lot normally has a lot of control issues like they Mm. they're the ones that need to do everything and if they don't you know nothing gets done I definitely Uh, don't know I don't know anybody like that definitely not not me at all uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I have that issue too (laughs) 
And then some people have a really hard time, like into their throat. If there's people that, you know, you start breathing and all they can do is like cough or you, we, during mm -hmm. our, during my breath session, I have people make sounds and almost nothing comes out. And that's normally people that have ha had a hard time expressing themselves. They were told to, to be quiet. So a lot shows up in a breath session. Mm, wow. But the best thing is to one practice. Mm, okay. Second is to really focus on diaphragmatic belly breathing because okay. the, especially for people that are anxious, mm -hmm. you want to really get the breath. The first, like if you do two count breath, you want to get it into your belly, into your diaphragm, which is right underneath your rib cage. You want to get it in there. So the diaphragm expands and pushes out the belly. And then the second count goes into your heart, the front and back of your heart and up into your throat. And then you exhale. I'm like trying to do it as you're describing it. So would, would diaphragmatic breathing be like optimal breathing or is that as like a healing tool? Well, maybe it's both. For almost every kind of both. For almost every kind of breath work, that is optimal. With yogic breathing, sometimes you have like all kinds of breath work where you're just into your third chakra and stuff like that. But you want to get into your diaphragm no matter what kind of breath work you're doing. Because mm. um, one is the vagus nerve goes through the diaphragm. Yes, and when you, that makes sense. Yeah. And when you breathe into your diaphragm and your diaphragm expands and contracts, it activates the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is literally pinged to all the organs in your uh, belly and a lot more. It goes throughout the whole body. But when we don't breathe into our diaphragm, the vagus nerve is barely activated. That's why a lot of people that are chest breathers get anxious and they have bad digestion. So if you really mm. <laughs> into and activate the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve talks to the liver, to the kidney, your digestive tract, what do you need? And then reports back to the brain. So activating the vagus nerve not only calms down your heart rate, calms down your nervous system, but also uh, is a great way to heal your organs, your entire mm. body. So diaphragmatic breathing is extremely important. So my suggestion is to first practice diaphragmatic breathing. So okay. put one hand on your belly, one hand on your heart, and you take a deep breath and watch your, the hand on your belly go up while the hand on your chest stays still. And then the second count, your hand on your chest can go up, but you don't want that your the hand on your chest coming up before the belly comes up. Because yeah. once you take your breath into your heart, it's really hard to get down any further. That is so good. Whew, it's been a while since I've done any sort of breath work. That is so, oh, I love that. It does. It feels <laughs> so good. And so one, one question I have for you was just going back to like these people that are in kind of chronic upset stress, fight or flight. Would you tell them mm -hmm. the diaphragmatic? Would you tell them the um, exhale longer than the inhale? Like what, how would you use your breath if you were in a, like an acute stressor or potentially that's like where you live your whole life. So would you go to diaphragmatic first or that um, kind of first Absolutely. breath work you were saying? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Cool. Diaphragmatic first, but patience is super important not judging yourself just observing because i, I have patience people... is a virtue <laughs> yeah exactly because <laughs> i have clients that are anxious and they come in and they get more anxious because they're not doing it right mm -hmm. so it's like let all that go and just explore yourself explore yeah. your body and do it slowly you might not get it for a week or two or three it doesn't matter just the fact that you're getting started is amazing and for people that are super anxious what I highly re recommend is two things one is breathing into their belly and then their heart and then exhaling for as long as they can holding their breath and then inhaling slowly again. When you exhale and hold your breath for long periods of time, it not only calms down the heart, but heart rate, but it also allows you to take deeper inhales. Mm. So doing that slowly is really uh, good. One thing that I love for, and I uh, recommend to my anxious clients is inhaling and then humming. So you inhale for as long as you can, and then you hum as long as you can. So mm -hmm. you're also doing long exhalations, mm -hmm. and then you're also including the sound vibration with that. And that's also very calming. And that's also an activator for the vagus nerve, the humming, right? Humming and singing. Absolutely. That yes. is such a good um, advice. And I think that, go back to the uh, Louis Hay book about um mm -hmm. i think in the back and i could be wrong this might have been something i learned separately but for hashimoto's a lot of that can be like throat chakra related and like you not being able to use your voice so i think it's interesting what you said about you could observe this through breath and see someone who might not be um, empowered to use their voice and this is something that's been so important for me and why i think i've really res as i've gone on my healing journey i've really resonated with the idea of that what you suggested with the humming or even singing or like lion's breath or anything that kind of just like lets me use my voice, I think has been incredibly important. Even this podcast has been incredibly important to just be able to feel the confidence to use the voice. So I love that you suggested that humming because although relaxing, I think also it is on a subconscious level allowing you to express yourself. And a lot of times we're just kind of pushed into a little box. Like let's just be this perfect little... <laughs> you know, person that doesn't exist really, you know, and one of the ways to do that is to be, to be quiet, especially as a woman, especially right. as a woman. So it, it strikes me that some people might not even be aware of how they're breathing throughout the day. So what's your advice for someone who just, like you said in the beginning, maybe isn't really connected to their body. How do you start to understand this breath pattern that you might have? A lot of people are not aware. I wasn't aware. I, I was a yogi for many, many years, and I thought I was breathing fine, but I really wasn't breathing in my heart at all. One is, is to get someone to analyze your breath pattern. The other one I would recommend is just to observe yourself, you know, make it a regular practice. Today is mental health, right? A lot of us spend a lot more time with our physical wellness, you know, exercising because we want to look good and it feels good. It feels awesome. But I don't know if enough of us spend as much time and really look at our mental health as important as our physical health because they're so connected. 
spend time breathing, spend time questioning your thoughts, journaling. A lot of people are anxious. What I recommend for them is to, yes, physically get out of your anxiety. But unless you get to the core, the root cause of your anxiety, um, it's not going anywhere. Like, is there, is it perfectionism? Do you always need to be perfect? Is it, are you guilt ridden? Are you always feeling guilty because you're not doing enough? There is always a root cause. So when you're doing your breath work, do it with intention, go inside, breathe into your belly, into your heart, and also allow whatever is coming up to be okay. And instead of being scared of it, because sometimes people come and the minute they start breathing, they freak out. They're like, it's too much. It's too much. It's okay if it's too much. Just go slowly. Just Mm -hmm. be with your breath, observe it. And the more you allow the emotions to come up and breathe through them, you will feel freedom in your body and your breath work just changes automatically. I love that. And I think you hit on two really popular root causes about the perfectionism and the, um, you know, need to keep doing so much. Those are two of mine that I've worked a lot on and through the techniques that I like kind of learned, I realized that a lot of it was based in like wanting people to like me and love me and and feel safe that, you know, if I just do a lot, then like, I'll be okay. I'll have I'll have enough money and I'll have shelter. Or if I just am perfect, then no one can get mad at me. And, you know, I won't be alone. And so these are deep seated things that we are on their subconscious. Usually like we don't, it's not like we walk around thinking that every day. So be, I think you really good advice. Take it slow and give yourself grace because it can be, you know, powerful and painful. I I've found that it's like, uh, when you're dressing those things, it's like, you know, everyone wants to be empowered. <laughs> well, guess what? To get empowered, you got to go through the stuff. Like you got, you have to walk through the fire in order to be in an empowered place. I believe like you don't just <laughs> snap your fingers and you're like, oh, everything's fine. Like that's kind of toxic positivity. So, you know, when you use these techniques, you know, give yourself grace. And the cool thing is, is that Linda has a company and they do a four week meditation challenge that is going to introduce you to different breath techniques and then you could have a facilitator, right? So can you tell us a little bit about what you offer so that people who might be interested but are afraid to do it on their own might be able to get in contact with you? Yes. Well, talking about all that breath work, I work with quite a few therapists and they asked me to do a short how to breathe properly mini course, which I did. So it talks about the physical benefits and how to use it emotionally. Mm. And um, I also included a few breath modalities and audio tapes that they can follow to do breath work with that. So I have that It's a mini course. It's $27, very affordable. But I really love my other two courses because it really gets down to the root cause of a lot of the stuff we go through in life that oh it just for most of my life I don't even think I I felt I knew who I was because it was just I was bombarded with so many messages growing up that you should be this way this is what should make you happy and things like that so the four-week course 
is a um, meditation breathwork based life coaching course. It's, I don't like taking courses where people just talk all the time. So what it is, it's meditations that you get to listen to, um, you do some breath work to calm your nervous system. And then I ask life coaching questions like bringing up you know, what are your fears so that you could bring those up. And then we do some more breath work to process that. And then the whole course goes through like fear and shame and acceptance and forgiveness, like it takes you through a process. So you could take one core belief that you have or something that you're struggling with, and apply it to the course. And at the end, a lot of people, you know, found really big shifts in their life. But it wasn't so drastic because the whole time you're meditating and breathing and breathing and processing and breathing. So um, that's one of my courses is called Reclaim Your True Self, and it's uh, self-guided. And then I do have Reclaim Your True Self uh, Level 2. That one is with the group, and that's an eight-week course. So I have three things going on right now. They all sound amazing. I would love to put them in the show notes. So definitely send them over so that we can um, help people find those really easily. They sound really attainable. And, you know, four weeks, eight weeks or short $27 course, those are great ways to get somebody into this. Um, So thank you for sharing all of that. And um, we'll put all of that there. And then how do people find you online? Is there a Instagram or a social media handle? Yes. So my website is breathbodyconnection.com and the Instagram and Facebook are the same breath body connection for Instagram and breath body connection for Facebook. And I'm also doing a lot of YouTube uh, videos. I just did one for yoga for anxiety, like just Mm. small, slow movements. A lot of times when people are anxious, it's they're in fight or flight and it's hard to do anything. So, yeah, that's the thing. You gotta have to move yourself out of that state before you can really take uh, some serious action steps there. So I love that you have those opportunities. Well, amazing. Linda, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up today? I just wanted to tell you, thank you. And I just, you are awesome to get yourself from where you were to where you are now I also talked to you probably five six months ago and I could see a big difference in you serious Mm -hmm. thank you you look healthy you look calm you look awesome thank Mm. you so much for this opportunity yay thank you so much I really appreciate that reflection I I can't believe how different it feels to be off this medication you know you and you take something for so long, you don't even realize how it's affecting you. And then it's just, yeah, it just really does impact you. And I'm just um, really grateful to find tools like the tools that you offer to, to really heal myself, you know, and so that I can show up here fully. So thank you so much for that reflection. I appreciate you. And yeah, well, I'm sure we'll do another one soon. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sophie. You're welcome. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this. You know where to go find Linda online. And I hope that this was really a healing podcast episode for you. See you in a couple of weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. 
Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.